Well, that's, you know, an, uh, an interesting uh, moment right there that's making me think of some things I was thinking about this week, which is that uh, sometimes I think about how I can even get mad that our, our bodies are so weak and frail. And then I remember Jimmy saying one time when Aaron broke his arm, but thank God that he also made us to heal. You can look at it two ways. And I'm just so thankful that he's given us uh, so many um, resources in this time. I mean, all of that is from him. You know, it's not human. There's humans that are, are doing the job that we can see, but God's directed them and led them to medicines and all these advancements. I'm just, I look to God and see him. The world sees more science and, you know, more without God, but I just see God in all of that. Everything that they have came from him, all the wisdom came from him, the resources, I mean, all the tools, all the medicines, etc. it all comes from him and from his stuff, doesn't it? So we just thank God. Uh, it doesn't look like him in our modern times, but it is more him than we realize. Amen? So that's just reminding me, because Dawn was going through her tooth this week, is I can see the pain, and that hurts me because I see her in pain, but I'm also thankful that she has medicines and a dentist who is willing to go through tremendous amount of schooling and knows what to do, even though it's painful, and fix the issue, right? So we just thank God that he's going to do what he's going to do right now. Amen. Well, that's interesting because the very first line here in part two of this sermon series, uh, In His Strength, that's what I... Uh, and christening and preaching into 2022 here is we're going to begin in his strength. And my very first line for part two is, we are powerless, exclamation point. I want you to say that out loud. We are powerless, dot, 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 without God. I think the visual, I think you need to see it, right? We are powerless without God. We are weak and frail without him. But with him, everybody say, but with him and through him, there is no stopping us. We're right, we are weak, we are frail, but with him and through him, there is no stopping us. There is no one and nothing that compares to him, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, and that very same Jesus is inside of us. Isn't that incredible? Uh, we have to come to the revelation that we need Jesus. Now, this is not just for the unbeliever. This is not a, a call to the unbeliever to come to Christ. This is something that the Christian needs to be reminded of constantly. We have to come to the revelation that we need Jesus. Who's had that revelation years and years and years after you've known him already? <laughs> Has anybody come to that revelation again? Man, I need you. Who says that to him often? You just break. You're like, man, I need you so bad. I need you, Lord Jesus. I, you just have this fresh revelation of it. And I think that that should be daily, even moment by moment, if, if we would let him, right? Revelation upon revelation upon revelation of how much we need him. And what's amazing is it's not this need that's unfulfilled, is that as much as we need him, he is willing to meet that need. And that, to me, is so spe special and amazing that our God is close to us. I've said it many times, but he is God. He didn't have to be a God that was close to his people. He could have been any God he wanted. He's God. 
except he would have to fight against his own nature. So his nature is love, right? It's grace, it's mercy. So it's hard to even say because he's, you know, because I know, we know who God is. It would be him fighting against his own nature, which is just incredible love. But I love that he loves us so much that he wants to be close to us. He doesn't just demand worship. You know, he's God. And in the same way, like a father in a home is to be respected by their children. But the father doesn't demand respect just because he's the father. There's that part of him, right? But really, the father wants to be with his children and love them and be for them and spend time with them. There comes a time where that demand of respect becomes known, right, when we break it. That's really the only time that that becomes clear, uh, that he needs to be respected and honored is once we're, we, <laughs> we begin to break his respect. But really, he just wants to be close to us and wants to know us. That was the original design. Uh, God did not get into Adam and Eve's sin until they got into it, right? It, the Bible says he walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. He was their friend. They were friends with him. It was only when they broke that, when they, when they began to break away from his purpose and plan for him, that then he had to speak to them much straighter and much harder than they had heard in their ears before, still with love and grace. The fact that he covered them with skins uh, was his grace still that he protected them, right? He covered their nakedness even though they were broken. Amen. We need to, as Christians, come to this revelation that we need Jesus. We know that our sins are washed away and we'll be in heaven forever. But we must realize also uh, that even though we have eternity in him, and yes, that's a part of the need, but it's that life that I'm talking about here on the earth, we also must come to the revelation that we need his strength. I want you to say that out loud. We need his strength. I started to talk about last week that the greatest strength you can have is recognizing how little strength you have. I want you to try to say that oxymoron out loud. The greatest strength I have is realizing how little strength I have. Because I began to talk about this last week. What I mean by this is when we acknowledge our humanity and its weakness, it's really only when we do that, then we turn to God for his strength, right? It's really the times where we feel weak, that's when we realize that we were always weak all along. You just didn't know it, but you were always weak. But then it turns us into Christ, doesn't it? It's those moments of weakness that become exposed that makes us look to him it makes us turn to him, and we realize, wow, I really need your strength. I need you personally. I want you first of all. I don't just want your strength for your strength. I want you. And Lord, I know that I need you for just for me. I just need to be close to you, but I also know that I'm not going to make it without your strength. Amen. Uh, what's amazing is the things that people accomplish. Isn't it incredible? You ever watch stories? the things that people have accomplished in this earth? Anybody ever amazed by the stuff that people will go through? People have endured crazy things. Who loves survival stories, right? Who loves watching incredible stories of survival? In fact, we, even in our own family, Dawn's cousin survived uh, an Alaskan bush plane crash. And I mean, incredible story, it made it to TV. 
yeah, the whole family was out there in, like, we're talking in the mountains, in the wilderness, uh, wolves outside. I mean, the, the, the real deal survival. And I love those stories, and I love the, the strength that comes out in those moments. But what I want us to realize, and I think we should become aware of, it's not to knock the human strength. Listen, I, I love that. But what we need to acknowledge is that even little strength that comes out that looks human, even strength that doesn't even acknowledge God after, right? Someone does something amazing and they just say, you know, well, I've worked hard. And they don't acknowledge God at all. What they don't realize is that God gave them that strength. We need to realize that even when we don't acknowledge it, the strength that you have and the strength that seems to come from nowhere is from God. Amen. Even when we don't give him praise and glory after, we have to realize that. And the second thing I want us to realize is that, is that the, even the greatest of human strength eventually fails. Who knows that? Eventually, there's a breaking point, even with the greatest strength. And earthly strength, it can, go, it can work for a while, but eventually it fails because our strength, our human strength, is no match for this earth and for the enemy. That's why I don't want to live in human strength. That's why I'm not going to rely on my own strength. I believe you, God, even though uh, the greatest of human strengths will fail and our human strength goes for so long, but eventually it's going to find its end. And the enemy, in fact, is looking. He's actually waiting for you to fail. He doesn't fight fair. He looks for the weak points, and he watches the weakness, especially the proud, especially those that parade around in their strengths. He will watch them and wait patiently. He has no time. He is not God. He is not omnipresent, right? He doesn't have the power of God, but he, he has some of the attributes that God has given him still, which is that he has unlimited time, and he's watched you and your granddaddy and your granddaddy's daddy's daddy. So he knows who you are even better than you are, and he will wait and watch for that strength that you think you have in yourself, and eventually it hits a wall, right? We've seen it many, many times, those in the world and those in the church that were very strong, and eventually they hit a wall and they failed. And what was the weakness? What was the point? It was at some point they crossed over and began to rely on themselves, began to lean in their own strength and their own abilities. Even some preachers, they begin to preach based on memory, Right? We can even, you know, you preach for six years, 10 years, 20 years. Eventually, you don't even have to read the Bible anymore because you've got it, you know, in your head. And it can become your own strength. You can actually cross over to your own strength without even realizing it. And the devil's waiting and watching for that moment because eventually your strength will fail, but his strength never fails. That's why I want to live in his. Amen. Amen. The strongest of men and women have fallen hard in areas where they couldn't stand against. And when we get saved, we want to give God all of our weaknesses. But this is what I'm commissioning us to do in this time in 2022 is it's very easy to come before the Lord. We get on the altar and we say, God, I'm broken. Take my hurts. Take my pains. Take my worries. Take my fears. But we don't say to him, take my strength. We don't even realize that we have to, right? We just want to give him all of our junk. God, here's all my stuff. I just want to unload on you. What she's willing to do, thank you, God, that he is. But then we take our strength, 
but let's put them in, in quotations and call them so-called strength. And then we don't even realize, but we, we try at first to go and live our lives now. And what happens is, is we start hitting walls and we, and we start struggling and we start fighting. We say, Lord, what's going on? And you know what? Then the Lord is right there to say, it's because I want all of you. I want every single part of you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, whether you've been saved a day, you've been saved for uh, Jimmy counts in days, so 3,000 days. doesn't matter how many days you've been saved. We need to do the same thing. Lord, I give you my weaknesses and I give you my strengths. I have realized that my strength is not actually strength. I'm not going to be deceived by the devil and think that I can do it because I can't. But I know you can and I'm one with you. That's why last week... I really begin to, to, for this series to focus on this, that we must be one with God. This is a concept that I'm preaching, and I preached last week, and I'm just going to review for just a minute here, but honestly, I can't truly preach it. I can tell you that we need to be one, but honestly, my words don't even come to, uh, they, they, they're not even going to be able to compare to the reality of the true spiritual oneness that he wants with us and in us, I, I can't express it in words. It's something really your spirit has to receive. Does that make sense? Who has received a revelation from God that you can't explain? Or you just know who God is and you know, you know what he's done in you, but and then you, you get all excited and you go to tell someone about the revelation and they're just like, huh, that's nice. And you're like, no, 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 you're not getting it. Let me tell you again. Let me just tell you the story again because maybe you weren't listening the first time. And they're like, oh, that's great. That's excellent. That's good. That's awesome. No, you're not getting it. I had a revelation. So, I, I mean, I'm going to say to you this, that Jesus said, but it's such a depth that I just pray, Lord, like you pray. John 17, he said, I pray, and right now, Lord, as I speak these words, I'm praying that your words become so deep in our spirit that we would truly realize what this means. He said in John 17, verse 21, I pray that they will all be one. This is the last prayer that Jesus prays before the cross. I would say this is important. He says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I uh, are one. As you are in me and Father, I'm in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. And verse 22 says, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. And so this is such a key to our faith. We have to get this. It was a pattern that Jesus himself prayed and he laid out for us. Uh, but it was not only a prayer and a pattern, but it was also the way that Jesus himself lived on the earth. You have to realize this. Jesus lived out what he preached. And he said, it says actually in John 5.19, Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Do you realize this? Jesus said of himself, he said, I can do nothing on my own. Jesus, the Son of God, acknowledged, I, I, want, you just, I want you to get this. I know this is crazy because you're like, well, he's Jesus. But he said, he does only what he sees the Father doing, and whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So this is a principle that we must get in our spirits. And lots of principles we hear and we're aware of, 
but they need to get down deep in us. Who realizes that, right? Who, who realizes that as Christians, it's not about eternity. You know, sometimes I find that so many sermons are just focused on you getting to heaven and eternity. And, you know, Paul says, hey, once we get over, you know, elementary parts of Christianity, I want to get to some deeper things. He's like, you know, we should, resurrection from the dead, that's just elementary. Who, who knows that, right? He's like, that's just, you know, that's baseline Christianity. That's not the whole thing. That's the beginning. That's the spark. That's the start. That's the starting line. But there's a race in between and a finish line. Who believes that? If it wasn't true, then he would just say, oh, he's saved. You're saved. Be like a game show, and you'd be flipping into heaven. Finally, I got you saved. Take him to heaven. But then we're stuck here on the earth for 40, 50, or, you know, 100 years as Christians. We're not really stuck, right? Well, I'm saying that in a way because it, kinda, it seems like it. It seems like it until we realize that, wow, we're not stuck. We have a grand purpose from the Lord. We're here for a reason. There is a purpose. Amen. And that is that Jesus showed us what that is, is that he was already in heaven with the Father. He came to the earth. He lowered himself. He humbled himself. We're going to get into humility in the next week or two into this series. It's, it's the key. It's the, it's the key to the whole thing. Uh, but he gave himself not for himself, but for us. And there was a unity between heaven and the earth. God had a plan and purpose in heaven Jesus appeared to be on his own. In fact, the world just said he's just the son of a carpenter. That's what he appeared to be. But what they couldn't see, and what Jesus is telling us here in John 17, is that there was a connection between him on the earth and the Father in heaven. That the two are actually one, and he's not just a man walking in the earth, but God is walking in the earth. And in the same way, Jesus said to us, I want you to walk in the earth in the same way. I want you to do exactly what I did, which is that you don't do anything on your own. I will be in you, and I will work through you. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. See, he's not just the way to heaven, but He's the way to God himself. I want you to say that out loud. He's not just the way to heaven. He's the way to God himself. Sometimes I feel like the message, the gospel message, has become about getting to heaven and not about God. Who finds that sometimes? It's not about a relationship with the Lord. It's just about getting saved. I just want to get to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. To be honest, I'm okay with that sermon initially because some people need to be scared. Some people don't realize that their sin is, on, is sending them to hell. We shouldn't be afraid or embarrassed to say that either. In fact, I just told someone recently that it says that our, their blood will be on our hands if we don't tell them. The message really is love and grace and mercy, but if they won't get that one, then Jesus was very quick, right? He, was all, he's, he gives unlimited love to the prostitute, but then to the Pharisees and Sadducees who think they're okay, then he was very hard with them, wasn't he? Called them serpents, said their father was the devil. <laughs> because Jesus needs to tell us the truth, and we need to do the same. There is, the truth is that, uh, yes, 
It is about going to heaven and not going to hell. Okay, yes, that is a truth in Christ, and that's an amazing truth, but there is such a bigger truth to who Jesus is and why he came to the earth. It was not just to get us to heaven, but it was actually to bring us back into unity with God himself, not just one day, but right here and right now on the earth. That's amazing. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Otherwise, what's the point? But that we actually enter heaven in our spirit right now. And it doesn't mean, I've said it before, sitting on your front porch with, with some tea and, and, uh, and a good book. I'm not saying you can't do those things. I have my own relaxing ways. I'm just saying to enter heaven as far as the, the oneness and the unity the, that we are not of this world. I'm, not, I'm in this world, but I am not of this world. That's the place he wants to bring us into. But Jesus did something else, too. He laid out the way for us to live on the earth. So he's the way to heaven, yes, but he's also the way to God, and he is the way to live. He's the way. It's not just a direction, a way heading just to heaven, but he is the way to live on the earth, which means we are to emulate him. We are to let his life become ours. We are to copy him as if we are looking at a mirror. When I look in the mirror, I should, I should see Christ. When Christ looks in the mirror, he sees himself. He's looking through me, and he sees himself. Amen. And finally, lastly, I want to say that, <laughs> wow, this is a, this is a reality. This is a, a truth. It, it's funny to say he's the only way to survive. He is the only way to survive. Do you realize that you are surviving in this earth? The world is fighting. Who's been reading our Bible with us, right? You know, Jacob grabbed the heel of Esau because that's what it is in this world. You're constantly grasping the heel of the next one in front of you, right? It's a fight. Everything that you do, you know, the whole entire stock market, the crypto market, the corporate world, the entire thing is being better than someone else. You realize that when you succeed and, and you got to raise and move up, I'm not saying you can't and shouldn't. I'm just saying you realize the whole system is based on you performing better than someone else. When you do well in the stock market, that means you unloaded your stock onto someone else, and they just paid your premium. You made money. You bought it cheap. You sold high. Do you realize the whole worldly system? I'm not saying that it's evil that you're in it, okay? I, you understand that we're here. God knows we're here. But the, you realize the system is not a God system. It's not a kingdom system. It's a fight. To do anything and to get anywhere is a fight. You realized that yesterday when you had to shovel your snow out. To get anywhere is a struggle. It's a fight. And through Christ, it's not just that we have life and peace and joy and hope, but actually, and, and this is not our focus, but it is a reality we should be aware of, is that we are only surviving this earth because of him. Without him, you are not just lost to hell, but you are lost to this earth. This earth will chew you up and spit you out, and no one cares. They could care less. But in Christ, we don't just have eternal life, and we don't just have life on the earth, but he is actually bringing us through this life, right? He is navigating through this life with us. Isn't that amazing? 
at every step of the way, right? When somebody tries to pit against you, you know what? God's way is different than our way. Sometimes the Lord's like, let them do it. Let them pit against you. Let them struggle with you. Let them fight. Who's come to the place where you come to the four-way stop? Woo. You know how a four-way stop works? I'm going to educate you. Okay, you ready? I tell my kids this all the time. Ready? It's so simple. You go, I go. You go, I go. Now, now here's the reality. Ready? I sit at the stop sign. You go, you go, you go, you go. Because they were there. I've been waiting. I've been stopped here. I'm waiting at the stop sign. I was here before you. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't realize how they work. It's a four-way stop. That means that one person goes from this direction. One person goes from that direction. One person goes from this direction. And finally, one person goes from this direction. And then we start that process over again. Very simple. But the world says, I don't feel like waiting. And I don't care about you. So, right, who loves the stop sign where they pull up? They don't even do the stop. They get as close to they can as the bumper of the person in front of them. So when they go through the stop sign, they just ride through with them. Who loves that one? Thank God you're paying attention, hopefully, so you don't get, you know, you think now it is my turn, and you run right into them. That's the world we're in. And you know what Jesus says? Who's come to this place? Let them go. I just sit there. I try to, at least. I don't care. Just go. All right, how many times the kids can be witness? You know, the, the, two, the two lanes that merge, there's one over by Renegades. Like, that right lane, that merging lane, is not so, it's not a passing lane, okay? They didn't create that lane. It's, it's called overflow of traffic, so they created some room so that the cars aren't backed up all the way, you know, to Stony Kill Farm. And it's supposed to be that, you know, again, we're going to kind of merge together, and all, we're all heading in the same direction. We're all trying to go this way. And everybody thinks that that lane is a passing lane. Who loves that spot? And you know what? I just let them go. I'm just try I'm trying really hard, more than ever. Just let them go. You obviously matter more than me. You have to get somewhere more than I do, apparently. So go for it. Jesus is our survival. You will not survive. Because you know what happens? If I become like them, what happens? My friend actually crashed in that exact spot because uh, you're not passing me. The cars collided, and they flipped over and crashed at that exact spot by renegades that I'm talking about. It's not worth it, is it? But the Lord has to change our mind to even get that, right? Because you remember how you used to think without him? You were just like the world, right? I want you to look and turn with me for the next few minutes to John chapter 15. This oneness, this coming to Christ, this place that he wants us to get to in him and in his strength and relying on him is supernatural. I want you to say it's supernatural. It's not something you can do. It's got to be something that he does in you. Right? You can't get right to come to Christ, and you can't become right after you've come to Christ. You don't actually change. You're letting the Holy Spirit change you. Does that make sense? Who knows that he prompts you, and then you have a choice to listen or not, but it was his prompting from the beginning through his word. Well, it says in John chapter 15, verse 1, I love this chunk of scripture. It's definitely one of my top five chunks of scripture in the whole Bible, and uh, unlike Jeannie, who says that every single week, 
This truly is one of my top fives. This has got to be my favorite. I know I said it last week, but this one's my favorite. That's all right. The whole, uh, uh, Todd White says, the whole Bible's my favorite. He goes, my kids make fun of me for saying that, that I always say this is my favorite scripture. He's because the whole Bible's my favorite, right? So it makes sense. I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, or you may know it as abide in me, which just means to live, to stay. These are all synonyms that just means that this is the place where you live. You could, you could take Psalm 91 and you could merge it together here with John 15, and it's the same thing. It's dwelling in that secret place. It's living in him and him in you. So we're remaining. I'm abiding. I'm staying put in him, and my Bible says, and he promises me that he will stay in me. He will remain in me. For a branch cannot produce. I want you to say cannot. The branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, and you, church, here today, sitting in these seats, yes, you are my branches. If you will remain in me, then I will produce much fruit through you. For apart from me... You can do nothing. Who believes the word of God? Who believes it before you believe it? Right? I talk about this a lot. Rick and I have conversations, and I tell him all the time. I was like, sometimes you have to believe the word even though your mind doesn't believe it. I choose to believe it. I say, Lord, this truth does not make sense to me, but I know your word is true, so I'm making the choice to believe it even though my mind doesn't get it yet. And let me tell you something, this is true, there is nothing, we can do nothing without him. Even Jesus himself said, I do nothing without my Father directing me. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. What did he say? Who's the true disciples? Those that produce fruit. Jesus said, true disciples are those that produce fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. So I have a whole bunch of things to say. I just want to say quickly, and maybe you have to listen to it again to get it, but I don't want to take, be here all day with you, but I want to say some things from this chunk of Scripture. I'm going to say the most obvious that I've already pointed out. I'm going to say it again. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, and you ready? And you have no purpose. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing, and you have no purpose. We have to be careful to get this straight because the world is searching, right? That's why they're so evil. That's what I was trying to say is the reason that they feel like they're racing is because they're 
They're fighting against you because they think that you are the obstacle in between them getting to where they need to get to in life. I'm, I brought up the four-way stop because that's a, that's a metaphor of life itself on this earth, isn't it? I'm going to step over. You're a stepping stone to get to where I need to get to because they're searching. They're blind. They're just blind sheep. We really can't judge them. Isn't that crazy? I can't judge them either because, first of all, I'm the same without Christ, right? And secondly, if the Lord loves them, then I must love them also. But the reality is they're searching. And I want to say this, though. Christians are also searching. Christians across the world are searching, and they're asking this question. They get into the, we can get into the same rat race, what is my purpose? What is our purpose? We get into these purpose circular kind of rat races, looking, trying to find purpose in purpose, instead of just actually laying down purpose, laying it all down. I have no purpose. And we come into Christ, and then he defines and gives us purpose. But we want to take our purposes, our ideas, and our dreams, and we want to bring them to God. We want him to anoint them and then send them out. But really, the Christ way is that I have no purpose. I can do nothing, and I have no purpose. But I know in you and, in, and through you, I'm going to bring you glory. I'm going to bring you honor. And my word says that when I become one with you, that suddenly that's when the world notices you through me. They don't care what I've achieved. They don't care about my strength. They don't care about my name written down in a history book forever and ever. None of that matters. I believe that one day the Lord's going to show us some of the greats, and they're going to be people you've never heard of throughout history. People that just served him relentlessly. People that went, that they were martyrs, some of them, sure. But there were other martyrs that lived their whole lives. They never were burned at the stake, but they lived a life that was sacrificed to Christ, one that was separated for him. And there's going to be great glory for them, and I want that same glory for us in this church. Amen. You know how we find our purpose? It's so simple. Just get closer and closer to Jesus, and the purpose comes naturally. You don't have to find your purpose. Who has found one day you turn around and you look and you see buds and flowers coming off of you and fruit just because you're connected to the vine? If you get connected to Christ, who has seen God do things through you and suddenly a purpose develops? You weren't looking for it. You weren't asking. Sometimes you say, God, I was not asking for this at first. This is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. And then you learn to, to really respect and appreciate and, and even thank him over and over again that he brought that purpose out of you. And all it was is that you got close to him and began to know him. There was this oneness and unity together. You remained in him, and his word does something in you, and suddenly fruit comes out. The purpose is fruit, and the benefit is being connected to and knowing Jesus. I want to say that, as, I want to say that again. God's purpose through you is fruit. Knowing him and staying connected to him is the benefit. We have tremendous benefits of being a part of God. We have a supernatural bond 
that's been put together by his own hands. And everything that flows through the vine or the tree, we get to share in and be part of. But we are not just a branch that enjoys his presence. That's an amazing gift. But we are also a pathway. Everybody say, I'm a pathway. I'm a pathway for him to bring life to others. And if God is the tree and we are the branches, then we must also let God fulfill his purpose for our lives. Sometimes we ask the question, Lord, what's my purpose? I think we should rephrase that question and just say to God, Lord, what's your purpose? That's it. Lord, what's your purpose? God, how can I... Wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't want to be sharp, but I think I have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because I, I, I just, this is just dropping in my spirit. Sometimes when we say to the Lord, God, what's my purpose? We don't even realize, but there's pride mixed in it. And we may not even think it's in there, but because, Lord, what can I do that's different than the rest of the world? What's my thing? What's, what can I do to really shine? Wow. Lord, what's your purpose? The Lord says, I want you uh, to, to wash their feet. All of us would get really excited. I want you to do this. He said, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Now, we don't have to do this. It was a metaphor. The point was, I want you to serve. Jesus said, I came to serve. So Jesus says, I want you to wash your brothers and sisters' feet. I want you to serve them. That's not exciting, though, Lord. It's not shiny enough. What can I do to be known? What can I do to be, I want to do something great. See, the world has trained us to think unless you build skyscrapers and win Olympic marathons, that you are nothing, right? Unless you're in Hollywood, unless you're rich, they, there's the, you know, you can't help it, but the devil designed the class system and separated it. And we think, unless I achieve, unless I'm big and I'm great, I'm, I haven't made it. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. All we have to do is just get close to Christ. That's it. It's that simple. And a purpose in him begins to flow naturally. In the same way, a branch, the Bible says here, is part of the vine. The branch has no power to bring forth fruit. It's just a branch. I just want you to raise your hand. I want you just to say it out loud so your mind hears it. I'm just a branch. A branch that Christ dearly loves. A branch that he laid his life down for, okay? You're not just a branch that he doesn't care about. He loves you so much he laid his own life down, but I'm just a branch. I can only bring forth what I stay connected to. Wow. I can only produce what I let him bring through me. That's why there was a man, uh, he became too well known in his own eyes, right, in a great revival, but early 1900s, so he began to put a bag over his head so that people wouldn't look at him. Because, Lord, they're put, getting their focus off. These miracles, things are happening, and it's not me, it's you. Began to just cover himself, because I, I don't want any credit for this. I have realized that there is nothing in me. There's no good in me, but, Lord God, the things that you have done through me, I'm so thankful for and grateful for, but I want them to look at you, Lord. 
I was meditating even just this morning that letting God is a funny thing to say. Let God work through us because he's God, right? Letting God. And I was meditating and thinking how when we let God, we're not just letting him, letting the Holy Spirit lead us this way and that way. Because many times our lives push us into situations and places that we didn't choose. Who has gotten pushed into a place in your life that you had nothing to do with and you didn't choose? Well, how do we discern that? How do we define that? If being led by the Lord is just listening to his leading and going left and listening to his leading and going right and the Holy Spirit saying do this and do that, but how many of us in reality, like real Christianity, like just talk reality here, just real human life, how many of us have found that every single move is just perfectly directed by the Holy Spirit? What it looks a lot more like is George Washington with the appeal to heaven, Lord, I don't know what's going on here. I know you're God, but right now, it looks like England's about to conquer us. That's what I see, and that's what I know. And so, Lord, I'm in a situation where I need to, I'm crying to you and calling on you. And, you know, I think letting God is, uh, fulfill his purpose through us is, it's staying faithful to him and relying on his strength during this time. It's when situations and things begin to happen in our life that we didn't choose. It's when stuff happens, because this is real life. The enemy's against us, and this whole world's against us. And in this real-life world where we're living, when stuff begins to happen and stuff is pushing against you and you are put into this position, that's the place where we need to remain in him more than ever, we need to realize, Lord, I'm a branch, you're the vine, that hasn't changed. What do you want to do in this situation? And I believe that the Lord has a word today, and maybe it's on the podcast, maybe you're sitting in here. But it's not letting our hurts turn into bitterness. It's not letting our jealousies and envies turn our hearts. Not letting your heart become hard during that time is letting God have control. It's so easy to trust God when everything's going good. It's very hard to remain in the vine and just say, Lord, bring your fruit through my life. Right? We love laying our hands on someone and seeing a sick person delivered. But staying faithful to a spouse that is hurting you in this time is harder to do. And that's the moment, you know, that God is pushing through. He's pushing fruit through you. You know, the same exact situation, the exact, ironically, the same exact situation, the trial that's there to crush you and suppress you and afflict you also has the power to change you. Remaining, he says, if my words remain in you. You ready? I call it the circle of life. This is what happens. Lord, junk's coming out of me. I don't even know this was in me. <laughs> Lord, this situation's bringing out, I'm, I'm getting bitter, I'm getting envious, I'm getting jealous, I'm getting worldly right now. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. And he begins to do what he says in John 15. He says, I begin to prune you. 
It was by the power of his word. He said, you've already been pruned by my message. What is the pruning power? It's his word. Lord, I only know that it's wrong because your word tells me that. Wow. Imagine we preached like that again, saying that things are wrong. So his word begins to cut it. I give it to him. And you know what happens? This circle of life, he says, you know what happens when we prune? This happens in, I love, don't you love science? I say this all the time, but science proves God. What happens when a plant is pruned? Comes back, explodes into life. You prune something down, you prune it the right way, and God's the master gardener. Man, you will, you take one stalk, one bad thing, cut, and let the Lord cut this bad out of your life, and he will produce 50. He'll produce 50 stalks of life from that same place that was dark. Amen. Right? So that same situation that you're in, and you're like, Lord, you know what? And I said this, I think it was last week, right? It was last week. I said, just let it come out of you. Don't be judged that evil's coming out of you, even out of your mouth. I'm not saying you should walk around like a sailor, cursing your way through life. That's not going to be a very good witness. But if evil comes up out of your heart and you say some things and think some things, you know what? That's the Lord working on you. Devil wants to kick you while you're down and judge you during that time, but instead you should capture those words and say, you know what, I did say those words. I did think those thoughts, but Lord, my word says that that's not your nature and you're in me. Lord, take it. Cut it out of me. Do what you need to do. And you know what happens? The situation doesn't change. The situation is the exact same thing that causes us that causes us. You know what happens when we prune? The thing gets small. The thing gets little. The Lord begins to prune, we get little. And I'm going to talk about that because I think, again, humility is so key. It's like, man, it's kryptonite to God. It just unlocks things in the spirit world. The enemy just cannot touch you. You pour, you get low, you get into the, into the Lord, and there's a protection, there's a covering, and it sounds the same outside, and everything's going on the same around you, but there is life that's about to come out of you. The world doesn't see it, they don't respect it, they don't care, and you don't see it yet, but you have to realize that within that same place, God is working, and he's bringing up and out of you, and he's going to bring through you. It's a very simple Formula. I'm going to give you the Miracle Grow formula for fruit. Remember Miracle Grow? I remember my mom going out there and spraying it. We used to spray it on the tomato plants when I was a kid. Remain, produce fruit. Abide in Him, He'll produce the fruit. You feel like things are going bad, things are dark, just turn to Him more. And you're like, well, I'm doing that, but nothing's changing. You just stay. Remain means remain. He didn't tell you how long, right? If I was to remove your sense of time, right? A child thinks that time out in the corner is five years. He's there for five minutes, and in his mind, it's five years. We have to realize that we're looking at God's time through childlike, <laughs> childlike senses. So we're like, Lord, I've been in this corner for a long time. And he's like, no, I'm working. It's wintertime right now. I pruned you in the fall, or I pruned you first thing in the spring, and don't worry, by June you're going to be flowing. But, you know, we're counting down the days and counting down the moments and expecting God to do this, this, and that by this time, and we have to realize this. All he told us to do was abide, remain. You have one job. 
Just stay in me and stay in my word. We don't worry about the timing. We don't worry about the how. You don't worry about if one person's got more fruit than you. Isn't this such life? Aren't we, man, we can be so free if we realize this, that I have one job, just be close to Christ. Let him actually do in me what he wants to do in me, and I don't have to worry about anything else. Everything else he's going to work it out and bring through me, and one branch may have more fruit than I do, but they're just being faithful, and I'm just being faithful. Amen? So I'm excited about this series. We're going to keep getting into this in his strength. This is, it's going to be key for us in this time that we're in and coming into the world's going to keep going into darkness. We know that. That's prophesied. But we are living in the light. We're in a different kingdom. We are not of this kingdom. The Lord's working in us and changing us and shaping us. And a lot of what we're going through in this world is because of rejection of God. But God's bringing fruit out of his believers and will bring more fruit. You're going to see fruit come out of your life. Who has already seen it? Even just in these couple of years, I've seen more fruit in these couple of years than I saw in a lifetime. And I'm just so thankful to him for that. Amen. So let's just close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that your word, it's a seed. Put it down, Lord, into the depth of our soil, Lord. Keep it, protect it. Keep it from, Lord, the thorns, the cares of life. Lord, keep it from the scorching sun, from the trials, the hurts, the bitterness, the stuff we go through. Lord, protect it in us so that it will grow and produce fruit in us, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.